A very happy Easter to you. This is Meredith, and this is the Launch Pod for Pomona Valley Church. I am so excited to be bringing you our final Easter week devotion. I have long loved Luke's gospel best. I like how he tells stories. When Luke talks about people, it's easier for me to remember they were real folks experiencing these events. Luke 24 tells the resurrection story, starting in verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Verse 9 goes on. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Their words seemed like nonsense because the dead don't rise, but also because they were the words of women and those weren't believable and not admissible in court. There's a meme that says that if you want to make your Easter service more biblical, hold it at sunrise and only invite the ladies. Now, it takes several hours more for Jesus to appear to others, and eventually he appears among the apostles, and this time it says, While they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, Jesus asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. There is just one point I'd like to make today, and then I am going to read a little chunk of Easter scripture that I hope you'll hear anew because of this point. Here it is. There is one whole great story that God is authoring in the world. One story that Jesus was pointing them to, one story Jesus was reminding them of, and the resounding theme of that story is that God is on our side. I think one of the greatest threats to this truth is the false theological belief that God is our enemy, angry at us because of our sin. It shows up in misinterpretations of verses like these from Ephesians chapter 2. This is Ephesians 2, 1, where it says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the spirit working in the sons of disobedience. Now, sons of disobedience is an expression in this case, an idea that represents people finding this way generation after generation to do whatever they wished and what they wished was not to come home to God. Telford Work is a theologian who once said about sin, it's like a cold. You just inevitably catch one at some point by virtue of being human. And so then verse 3 says, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. That's the expression in the New International Version. And because of a whole host of years of teaching people to misinterpret the verse, a listener hears the wrath of God. In fact, the New Living Translation goes further and actually writes, subject to God's anger. But here's the thing. Translation committees do sometimes have to make interpretive decisions when they move something to English 
They're not trying to mess anything up. They're absolutely aiming to do their very best work. But they do get it wrong sometimes, and this is one of them. The literal phrase, and you see it in some other translations, is children of wrath. So remember, we already heard this idea of sons of disobedience. Now we're hearing children of wrath. These are expressions to describe the human condition. They are descriptive. Descriptive of the reality of humans just finding a way on their own to sin. We live in wrath when life just keeps on going like this. When greed, genocide, starvation, death, when the consequences of sin run amok, unchecked, that is life in wrath. It is not God's wrath. The wrath is the effect of evil in all its forms, mild to severe, being allowed to poison us all. And so when we realize that the wrath comes not from God, but is just descriptive of the condition of living with sin and all its effects, this makes a lot more sense then when the passage picks up with the word, but, but because of God's great love for us. See, in contrast to wrath is God's love. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it's by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with God in the heavenly realms. God has always only ever been full of great love for us. The wrath that we feel because of the consequence of our own sin gets interrupted by the great saving act of God coming down to live, die, and rise. Yes, it's because of our sin. It's not that we're good. It's that we're loved. Loved with a love so great that wrath is defeated by its enemy, Jesus Christ. Death is defeated by its enemy, Jesus Christ. And so with this in mind, I want to read one more passage of scripture. On Easter Sunday, Jesus makes sure to retell God's whole story to the followers so that they will see that God has always been on our side. And with that framework in mind, I'm going to close with a passage from the book of Romans, which is making commentary on the events of Easter and what it means for you and for me. Here again, your translation might begin with the word if, but the original language would cue us to not say if, as if it's debatable, but since, because it's true. Romans 8 Verses 31 and following. Since God is for us, who's against us? God who did not withhold God's own son, but gave him up for all of us. Will God not with him also give us everything else? Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died. Yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through God who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else, in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God is so very 
fond of you. Always has been. Always will be. Our risen Jesus, our friend, is risen indeed. <laughs>